Welcome to the History of the Americans podcast, episode 0.1. I am your host, Jack Henneman, and I'm recording this on April 4th, 2022 in Austin, Texas. Back at the beginning of 2021, when I launched the podcast, I put up a short episode, introductions and such, to explain what I am doing. I labored mightily over that first introduction, and I stand by what I wrote. However, after having produced episodes almost weekly for more than 15 months, I have to admit that the original introduction is a bit pompous, and it doesn't really match the tone of the podcast as it evolved. It is also incomplete in certain respects. So with that in mind, here's an all-new introduction to the History of the Americans podcast. We are telling the story of the people and the lands that now constitute the United States from the beginning without presentism. Presentism as the uncritical adherence to present-day attitudes, especially the tendency to interpret past events in terms of modern values and concepts. I'll come back to that and some similar ideas in a few minutes. I got the idea for the podcast on a pandemic road trip. In September and October 2020, I struck out by car to visit friends and relatives, mostly in the Northeast. Since I live in Austin, Texas, that required a bit of driving. Over three weeks, I drove four and a half thousand miles, mostly alone. And so I listened to a lot of podcasts. A law school roommate pointed me to David Crowther's podcast, The History of England, which for more than 10 years now has been telling the history of England in detail, mostly in chronological order, and always in good humor and with great detail. I liked it so much that I dug around to see whether anybody was doing the same thing for the Americans. Nobody was. Yes, there are a lot of American history podcasts, but they either tend to skip around and tell disconnected stories, or they are specialized, such as on the American Revolution or on the presidencies or by social identity or area of study or something. I had long had the ambition to read American history in an organized way because, like most people who read history for fun, I had big gaps in what I knew. I just wasn't methodical. It occurred to me if I made a podcast, I would learn the material better And if the podcast got at all popular, it would serve as a forcing mechanism to keep me on track. In that regard, it worked. As of today, we are 66 substantive episodes along, now safely into the second decade of the 1600s. I've learned a huge amount about not only the political and economic conditions that gave rise to English ambitions in North America, but also about the many decades of Spanish exploration and attempted settlement before the very first French and English attempts to settle in today's United States. I had known next to nothing about that period, and judging from listener emails and comments, I think that's true for a lot of people. Gotta love some Cabeza de Vaca, who I, for one, knew nothing about. If I'm going to be honest with myself, though, the forcing mechanism reason has not turned out to be the prime motivation. I'm like most people who create in public. I get a little endorphin hit every time somebody says something nice about the podcast or even just listens to it. So keep it up. If you enjoy the podcast, please write a glowing review on Apple or whatever podcast app you use. 
Keep those endorphin hits coming. There's a final motivation which is closer to a fantasy than an objective. I'd sincerely like to get more people interested in American history. If you think we would benefit from more people taking an interest in American history, that's another reason for devoted listeners to spread the word. So keep the dream alive. By my own decree, the notional boundary for the podcast is the territory now encompassed by our 50 states. I breach that from time to time, but mostly to give context that I think is useful or important. I devoted five episodes to Columbus's first voyage, for example, because without Columbus, the last 500-plus years of history in the lands now constituting the United States would have been completely different. And, well, it is hard to talk about the various Spanish expeditions into today's United States without saying something about the Spanish history in the New World. Another example, veteran listeners know that I've done a lot of episodes on Sir Francis Drake, only some of which discusses actual landings in today's United States. Apart from Drake's exploration of the Pacific coast, the sacking of St. Augustine, Florida, and his rescue of the first colonists on the outer banks of North Carolina, Drake is important because he did more than anyone else to push England and Spain into war and then did more than anybody else to defeat the famed Spanish Armada and save England's Protestantism. Had Spain's invasion succeeded and tossed out Elizabeth I and her ambitious Protestant Privy Council, it's unlikely that the leading language in North America would be English, among other differences. So that's why we talk so much about Drake, in addition to the fact that I think he's super cool. So having pumped out two-thirds of a hundred episodes, there are a few other things that new listeners should know about that didn't make it into the original introduction. My North Star is that history should be fun and interesting. I sometimes divert to historical curiosities or anecdotes rather than focusing on the most historically significant points. My several discussions of Fool and Gallant, the first dogs we know were named in the United States, for example. So don't rely on this podcast to help you pass your American History AP test, assuming they still do those. I have a fairly dark sense of humor, so you will hear me make fun of things that actually were pretty gruesome. About 10 episodes along, you will also hear goofy little clips from movies and songs and old advertisements at inappropriate moments. They will confirm your suspicion that I'm a dork. The logo for the podcast that appears in the apps was designed by one of my daughters, who took a corner of one of Theodore de Bry's famous 16th century engravings of New World Encounters. The particular scene comes from de Bry's rendition of the first French attempt to settle in the New World in 1562 on the coast of South Carolina. The theme music is a clip from the United States Navy Band's rendition of Yankee Doodle, which I trust any American would still recognize. We don't use bad words in the George Carlin sense of the term, so this podcast is technically suitable for young people. But sometimes we talk about really ugly things that happened. On those occasions, I try to give a little warning so that people listening with little kids in the car can pause the podcast before I describe some poor schlep being skinned alive, that sort of thing. 
I often say I'm following my muse, which means there is no master plan other than to move in rough chronological order. For instance, I had no idea how many episodes I was going to spend on Jamestown and the Powhatans when I started. Since I've already done eight, I suspect there will be at least a dozen before we're through. I'm operating in close to real time, meaning that I write, record, and edit a podcast all in the same week. I'm not one of these organized people who always has three episodes in the can ready to go. I think you know who you are. Sometimes I figure out about Tuesday morning what I'm going to write for an episode that I will try to record on Thursday morning. Episodes typically run between 4,500 and 6,000 words of script. You might be thinking, Jack, dude, how can you write a script of such amazing quality so freaking fast? Well, once I've read enough to know what I want to write, I sit down and write it. Sometimes the words come painfully, maybe a few hundred an hour. Other times, usually when I'm sitting outside smoking a cigar, I can bang off maybe 1,200 words an hour. Something about that cigar that speeds me up. I wonder what it is. So I probably take five or six hours to write the script. Then I read it aloud to myself to edit it once, so it takes another 90 minutes. Recording and editing the audio and writing the show notes takes another four hours or so. Add all of that up, and it takes me about 30 minutes to make a minute of podcasts, not including the reading part, which in theory... I'd be doing anyway. So far, I've only done solo episodes. One of my ambitions this year is to do some interviews. If you're a historian or history podcaster and think that would be fun, send me a note. Generally, I aim to publish on Thursday, but in fact, I've put episodes up on every day of the week. This violates one of the maxims of successful podcasting, which is to drop episodes on a predictable schedule. Oh, well. Since I had to learn how to do all this stuff myself and didn't have the best microphone in the world when I was starting out, the first dozen or so episodes are a little rough. I think the general quality has improved over time, although there is still ample room for improvement. I could use an actual dedicated space for a studio with soundproofing and stuff, but that is easier said than done. If any of my listeners here in Austin happen to own a recording studio, by all means, send me a note. In the first six months of the podcast, I often referred to the Scruffy website, another poor DIY effort on my part. In that case, I decided I needed some professional help. So in the fall of 2021, I threw a little money at it. Now I think it's pretty good, actually. Check it out at thehistoryoftheamericans.com. In addition to the podcast episodes and the related show notes, I also put up occasional blog posts and other supplemental materials, some of which listeners send to me. And there's a modest merch store, which you can reach through the About tab at the top of the homepage. There's still one glitch, which is that the numbering of the episodes on the website does not correspond to the numbering of the episodes in the podcast apps, because the website includes the first introduction, and now we'll include this revised introduction, and season zero in the numbering scheme, whereas the apps count the episodes starting at the beginning of season one, which began in the first substantive episode on the Americans Before Columbus. 
I also have a reasonably decent Facebook page at facebook.com slash history of the Americans. And you can follow me on Twitter where I have the sort of ridiculous handle at the history of TH2. I put out announcements about impending and just launched episodes on both Facebook and Twitter if you do those things. If not, don't join either on my account. I can't be accountable for your resulting mental health issues. You can subscribe to email alerts on the website, thehistoryoftheamericans.com, if you don't want to subscribe with a podcast app. As I said in the original introduction, I'm not a professional historian, but I'm the son of one, so I absorbed a certain amount of historian stuff over the dinner table and whatnot. I was raised with a certain understanding of the professional norms of historians who came of age professionally before the 1970s. These included widely afar from universally. The idea that a historian should try really hard to keep his or her own politics out of the teaching and writing of history. That generation of historians never believed that perfect neutrality was possible, but they did believe it was important to make the attempt That is one of the premises of this podcast, however imperfectly we adhere to it. Another premise of the podcast is that it is important to think historically. That is the reason for my view that presentism, essentially applying the morality of today to the people of yesterday, interferes with understanding. On this podcast, you don't hear throat-clearing disclaimers, such as, Of course it was evil to burn down those indigenous villages. It is not that I don't think it was evil. As a reasonably decent person of the 21st century, I'm as against burning down indigenous villages as much as anybody today is, and more than most people who have ever lived, including, by the way, many indigenous peoples. But dismissing people of the past as evil because they didn't have the same standards for righteous behavior that we have today is both intellectually lazy, anybody can do that, and it obscures the far more interesting point that most of the time it was ordinary men and women doing these things that today we consider bad. Understanding why ordinary people burn down indigenous villages, to extend the metaphor, is the work of history. There's a third premise that is closely related to thinking historically and the injunction against presentism. I oppose using history to make contemporary political arguments. Longstanding listeners have heard me call that weaponizing history. Professionals often call it usable history. Either way, I'm against it, whether from the political left or right. There are at least four intertwined reasons for this. The first is that weaponizing history is intellectually lazy and almost always dishonest. Let me propose an analogy that might be useful. Have you ever seen or heard a religious person argue for or against a particular public policy by quoting a line of scripture? I suspect there is a verse in the Bible or the Holy Quran or in the teachings of the Talmud that can be read to support almost any public policy one way or the other. People who cherry-pick one verse over another to win a political argument are not being intellectually honest. They are zealously advancing their cause. 
They are using religious scripture as a weapon. He wants to destroy everybody's belief in the Bible and in God. That's not true, and you know it. The Bible is a book. It's a good book, but it is not the only book. Well, history is like the Bible. It's full of facts that can be extracted with tweezers to support any contemporary political claim. When somebody does that because they want the history they tell to have a political effect, they corrupt the practice of history. It is dishonest. And if you see somebody do it, call them out or just swipe left. And by the way, that goes for me. If you think I haven't lived up to that standard, send me a note and I'll fix it or defend myself or make some silly excuse why it's different or something. The second reason why weaponizing history is bad is that it naturally makes the reader or listener suspicious. If I know that the purpose of the historian is to win a political point, perhaps out of some ambition for social change or to reinvigorate patriotism, then I smell a rat and I lose trust in the author as a teacher of history. I hate it when that happens. And when it happens a lot, as I suspect it does in many of today's high school and college classrooms, students will see history as just another PR stunt and that teacher as just another flack. If I'm right about that, it is no wonder interest in history is declining. The third reason weaponizing history is bad is that it makes for incredibly boring history. For the same reason that it is boring to watch partisan hacks yell out the talking points of the day. Once a student or a reader figures out the historian's political angle, it all becomes a lot more predictable, and that is boring. You might think of it this way. To a great degree, the journey of history is in deciding for oneself what is and is not consequential. Historians who relentlessly portray history as a series of causes and effects that leads somehow to today deprive their students and readers of making that journey for themselves. They actually want to deprive their students of that journey because they are hoping to enlist them in their political cause. I think that betrays the students. Finally, the weaponization of history by left or right hurts our country. The homepage of the website for this podcast says that, quote, we believe there's dignity in our national story along with tragedy, triumph, brilliance, hypocrisy, magnificence, depravity, corruption, venality, inspiration, oppression, genius, defeat, and glory. Americans as a national people, regardless of ancestry, have no deeper roots than our own national story, not being bound by language or ethnicity or religion or long ties to an ancient monarchy. We need a dignified history that is widely agreed upon, at least in its main features, in order to have a nation at all. The ugly parts, and some of them are very ugly, and we will not shrink from them on this podcast, do not change the fact that there are few countries anywhere in the world that on the full exploration of their past have a history more worthy of dignity than the Americans. It doesn't always seem this way. And one of the reasons for that is we know far more about the origins 
of the United States than we do any other significant country in the world. The ancestors of today's Americans, the political ancestors of today's Americans, wrote everything down. That's simply not the case for almost every other significant country in the world, virtually all of which are older than we are. Sorry, Canada. So that means we just have a lot more evidence, more places to find smoking guns that can be elevated to some political use today. Using our history for contemporary political means destroys the dignity in it, and we need that to be a nation. Sharp-eared listeners will argue that in searching for a national history with dignity, as well as all that other stuff, I am also using history for a political purpose. Well, that is true, but only in a very abstract sense. A politically neutral history and the construction of a meaningful national story does inherently oppose the deconstruction of the United States and the tearing down of its institutions and worthiest legacies. If you believe the United States ought not exist as a country, that its past is so depraved that it all must be torn down, that our institutions are worthless, you probably won't like this podcast. None of this is to say that history should be told with any particular emphasis. There is no true or correct or best way to interpret the past. Well-meaning scholars, and for that matter, podcasters, can and will argue passionately about the proper weight to put on this or that historical fact. That is what the practice of history, even for the purest scholars of my father's generation, is. I hope this reintroduction fairly captures what we have done so far and that you listen to the History of the Americans podcast. It's best heard from the beginning because it all does tie together. But somebody much smarter than me said that history always begins in the middle of something, and that goes for this podcast. For those of you who want to start at the beginning of the English settlement of North America or my telling of it, you could go to episode 31 as counted in the podcast apps, England in the 1500s and the rise of the merchant adventurers. I should warn you, though, that in doing that, you will miss a lot of stuff that I, at least, didn't know until I did this. And I bet many of you don't know either. Thank you for listening. And if you are a longtime subscriber, I'm especially grateful for all you've done to get the podcast this far. As a special treat, we will close this episode with the extended version of the theme music we have adopted. Yankee Doodle is rendered by the United States Navy Band. Enjoy. Until next time. <laughs>